Welcome to Just a Taste. I'm Scott Curry with Chef's Best. We gather to talk about the trends in marketing, retail, and production in food and beverage that are shaping the industry. Joining us today is entrepreneur and visionary leader, Patrick Baltima. Patrick is chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Food Maven. Food Maven sells high-quality, local, and oversupplied food from distributors, manufacturers, and producers to restaurants and institutional buyers at about half the price. With an innovative online marketplace and rapid logistics, Food Maven brings agility and flexibility to the U.S. food system. The company's goal is to capture and reclaim food revenues from lost food, estimated at $200 billion per year. Patrick is also president of Baltimore Company, a strategic advisory firm focused on working with early phase, typically VC, private equity finances, startup companies, and more. He has served as CEO, founder, and executive chairman for a variety of software and online digital companies over the years, including Cold Baby, Cybrant, Aeroprise, and Exaware. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Super. So Food Maven, uh, you know, you're attempting to tackle a massive challenge and, and obviously a massive opportunity as well. Uh, one that I, I would wager that most of us are, unfortunately don't think about on a, a daily basis, basis. So what led you to start Food Maven along with uh, your co-founder, Dan Lewis? Yeah. So, you know, I think we've all heard these big uh, kind of hand-waving numbers that you know, 40% of everything that farmers grow is is uh, thrown away, that hundreds of billions of dollars is lost. You know, meanwhile, 68% of farmers are on the verge of bankruptcy, and a third of what's going into landfills is is food waste. And, you know, that juxtaposed with 42 million um, Americans that are food insecure. So, I, you know, I like, like everybody, I, I kind of knew those numbers. I'm a kid with an ag background. And, and thought, you know what, I just got to dig and understand how it happened. So almost five years ago, and again, in partnership with, with Dan and, and some others, we just started to dig into the food system to understand really how and where it happens to see if there's something that we, we couldn't do. And that's really the, the roots of how Food Maven came to be. Awesome. So you mentioned that 68% of, if you could repeat it even, 68% of farmers on the verge of bankruptcy, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And I, and I kind of happen to know because I'm afraid my brother's, you know, in that group of kind of being on the verge of bankruptcy, trying to keep it together. Mm. So I, I would imagine, uh, and we'll get, we'll get a little bit deeper in your business model and everything, but, uh, you know, looking at kind of this big picture here, I would imagine that many people and companies, uh, you know, maybe have a little bit of a visceral reaction when, because when we hear, think of, discarded or wasted food, we think of old or rotten or, or even you know, just unhealthy. Um, so as, as most disruptors need to do, what, what negative perceptions did you have to overcome, uh, you know, in your early stages here? And yeah. how have you overcome them? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you know, the reality is nobody wants to eat food waste, right? I mean, that's, but you know, the thing that we came to kind of recognize, and I think is an important distinction is waste is just a symptom of this fundamental problem in the system. And, and let me just unpack a little bit because it really begs the question of, you know, how in the world does that happen? And we, as we kind of dug in and learned, we realized there was a couple of big things that were really driving all this food that was getting lost in the system. And you hear, we tend to talk about it more in terms of lost food than food waste. Food waste is just the ultimate symptom. The first thing we kind of came to, to recognize is that the system lost an enormous amount of food 
just because we've kind of grown to have this abundance expectation. You know, so our, you know, our expectation now is that you always have everything all the time. And, and that expectation is really throughout the entire food system. So the unforgivable sin, if you're a, a farmer or a producer or a, a distributor, is to say to the next person in the food chain, I'm sorry, I can't fill your order. That's like unacceptable. And so when you, when you kind of take into account this kind of 1950s character of, of our logistics system and then couple it with that, you always have to have everything all the time. Statistically speaking, the only way you can do that is to significantly oversupply the system. And the system oversupplies at every step along the way, from the farm to the packing shed to the wholesaler, distributor, big distribution center, and ultimately all out to the, to the grocery store. And that oversupply of the system is the single biggest place where food gets lost. It's just oversupplied and not needed and kind of in the way and the nature of the system is it has no place to go. The second thing we discovered is kind of a bundle of things that we call imperfects. Um, it could be seconds that, again, perfectly good food, but it just doesn't match some kind of bizarre cosmetic spec. Um, it could be short date. So, and by the way, those dates are actually a confusing thing that really don't mean very much, nothing in terms of, of food safety. Um, or it could be short lots. So there was lots or somebody, you know, somebody makes a brand change on a product. Now everything that's in the system is obsolete and and doesn't have a place to go. So that's this kind of bucket of imperfects. And then the third area we discovered where, where enormous amounts of food gets lost is local food. So we all like to talk about farm to table, but the truth of the matter is there's no system for it. And so local farmers, farmers, growers that are even trying to do local, oftentimes really struggle to get access to, to their local markets. And so those are, the, those are the three areas. And really, again, it's perfectly good food it's not that the food has failed, it's that the system has failed. And as a result, you know, re, you know we have all this food that, that gets lost. So that's what we're capturing. And that's what we're kind of making a market for to be able to kind of recover the value and to avoid all of the negative economic as well as social impacts associated with all this food that's getting lost. So there's this market inefficiency there that uh, but it's also, you, you know, as you said, it's primarily caused by consumer expectations. I mean, if I go to the store for apples, I expect there to be a lot of apples. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about particularly with, with produce, you, you know, there's food that, uh, quote unquote, over ripens. Uh, avocados comes to mind. Yeah. As, as one of them. I mean, there's. You know, your, your window to sell an avocado is what, I don't know, three days, you know, I mean, unless you, unless you, you know, you buy it hard and then it ripens at home. But if that avocado, if you want to buy a ripe avocado, you have two or three days to eat it, which means you only have two or three days to sell it, right? Well, and a lot of people don't understand. I mean, part of the reason why avocados are that way is avocados and a lot of, of food is harvested a long ways away severely under ripened it survives the long haul of the food system and at the distribution center right before it grows to the goes to the grocery store it's gassed with ripening agents mm -hmm. so your avocado has very little life left on it because it was artificially excel you know was artificially ripened with accelerating agents 
that then mean the avocado has very little shelf life. It's true of bananas. It's true of all kinds of different, you know, um, items. And, and, that, and part of this is, again, is this, is this kind of nature of the food system. I'll give you another example. So a lot of people don't realize 71% of all lettuce comes from the area around Salinas, California. 71% of all the lettuce in the United States comes from that one place. If you add Arizona to that, 98% of all lettuce comes from those, you know, Yuma and Salinas, California. Now add to it this weird consumer preference that we all want lettuce to be turned into a salad and put in a plastic bag. By the time you do that and get it to the East Coast, you got a couple days of shelf life on that product. So, I mean, those are things that are just kind of crazy about kind of what goes on in the food system. And, and so we're figuring out, sometimes we're getting product that's got, you know, it's very rapid use in character. And that's why we're selling to restaurants and institutional kitchens. They're going to use it fast, right? But, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, this kind of crazy food system that we've got. And to your point on apples, the, the accepted wisdom in the grocery business now is if you or I walk into a store searching for apples, and they're out of apples, there's a 40% chance on that one event that we will change our grocery store buying pattern. Mm. And, and that's this, I mean, you know, in some sense, that's like what we got to live with now, right? It's kind of the expectation of society. But what it means is an awful lot of thrown away apples. Mm. And so that, that's, you know, that's what we're really getting at is to understand you know, those, that oversupply of apples that's at a distributor and they don't have orders for them and they have no place to go. We're capturing that product. And then we're applying big data and kind of best of internet um, capabilities, including a very rapid logistics model. So for our suppliers, we're helping them avoid something that they don't want to do. Nobody likes throwing away perfectly good food, right? And you definitely don't like paying to do it. Um, so we're creating revenue rescue for those suppliers that are getting that, that product to us, whether it's oversupply, imperfects, or local food. And then for our buyers, restaurants, institutional kitchens, commercial food businesses, they're getting high quality, you know, equal to or better quality of product than they were going to get otherwise with comparable or better levels of service at a significant discount from what they would other, otherwise pay. And then, so, so, and again, I really think, you know, we are trying to make the food system more economically viable because it's not working for, I mean, there's not a lot of people making money in the food system right now. So we're trying to restore positive economics to the system. And I think that, you know, is virtuous in and of itself. But then whatever doesn't rapidly sell in our system, we donate to for hunger relief. And then we're on a zero landfill policy because a lot of what happens with this lost food is it just gets hauled to the dump. And so we've got, you know, contracts with pet food companies and pig farms for the very small percentage that we don't make a, a market for. So again, it really is to say, how can we create a market-based solution? How can we apply innovation in the firm of technology and logistics to be a complement to the big food system that really has this really ugly issue of so much food getting lost? Hmm. It's pretty mind-boggling <laughs> as you think about it because, you know, it, part of it, it too, you mentioned cosmetics. It, we, we have this crazy unrealistic expectation uh, of, of how our food should look. And I guess we make some sort of, you know, uh, emotional judgment based on that. I'm again thinking of apples and, you know, you think about the poor apple that, that you know, maybe has a, a little blemish on it or something like that. And you've got 300 other apples in front of you and 
we all do it, right? You sit there and you look for the good one thinking for some reason that it's going to taste better because it's the skin is, is doesn't have a little, uh, little notch or something in it. Yeah. Um, just it, a couple, just a couple of weeks ago, I was yeah. on a uh, panel with the Colorado food and vegetable growers association. And there was a peach grower on the, uh, the panel with me and, and he just kind of nonchalantly said, and again, this is not a criticism of him, but he kind of nonchalantly said that he grew and delivered about 800,000 pounds of fresh peaches to the retail market every year. And he loads about 800,000 pounds of peaches into a dump truck and dumps it in a ravine on his land every year. And you know, there was like an audible gasp in the room when he said it. And you know, I understand why it's, those were perfectly good peaches. They were probably just as tasty. They might even tasted better, but they didn't meet some kind of crazy cosmetic spec. So, you know, they were in the category of seconds and, you know, they were maybe a little misshapen or maybe they were slightly bruised or, or whatever. And so those are the kinds of things where we're saying we have got to do better. We've got to be better stewards of food than that. And it's not, it's not the blame of the grower. It's the system failing. And so that's where, again, we, we consider ourselves very fortunate. We're very grateful to be able to step in as a complement at those points where the system fails. Mm-hmm. And I like, I don't know if you coined the term, but I like the term revenue rescue as well. And, uh, it, it, and there's clearly obviously an ethical uh, gap here as well that you're helping to close. Um, I, I, you've, you've mentioned a few, but I want to make sure that, that we mention them all. Um, who are the supply? Who are the suppliers that you're you're working with? And then we'll talk about who the buyers are too. So you mentioned sure. uh, farmers are direct suppliers. I I, I think yep. I gather that supermarkets themselves um, are suppliers as well. Are well there, to, mis- the, to the point of the of their distribution centers. So once it gets to the store, it's essentially lost to us. It goes into the category of what gets referred to as post consumer waste. So we're not, you know, we've, we've kind of worked with and kind of explored and experimented and we've kind of realized it's at the big grocery distribution centers is kind of the last stop of opportunity for us. So it's, it's growers, producers, manufacturers, some of the regional kind of local food manufacturers, the large manufacturers, and then the wholesalers, distributors to the big distribution centers. That's the span of where we, of where we focus. Of course, you hear in describing that, it also gives you some sense of the complexity of what the system is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the typical food, you know, from the field until it gets to the grocery store is typically going through seven to eight different entities before it gets to the grocery store. Wow. And, and ultimately, you're a technology company, right? I mean, ultimately, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think of all these data points and dots that you're trying to connect and you know, to use the, I think it, I think it's become a cliche. You're a bit of the Uber of, uh, of, 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 you know, food waste and that you're, you're really, you're just making a connection just, I mean, yeah, real easy. Right. But just making a connection instead of a, you know, driver and, and passenger, you're making the connection between, uh, you know, perhaps a restaurant and a farmer, but how on earth else would they have connected without the technology? Am I right? Yeah. And so we, I mean, I would say our core innovation is kind of the technology and matching algorithms, pricing algorithms, uh, internet, you know, marketplaces. Yes. But 
again, to be clear, we are doing full logistics. Right, right, right. We, yeah. we roll a semi to the, you know, we roll a semi to the distribution center. We bring it into our warehouse infrastructure. We pick the orders. We load it onto our delivery vehicles. So it's, you know, in the case, there are some things where you can just have a pure technology. You know, it's just kind of a two-sided marketplace and it all happens on technology. And, and you know, if it's like something that's purely digital, you can do that. But when you're talking about, and there are folks in this space that think that that's going to work, but when you're talking about food, you really have to do logistics or you just don't have table stakes. And so the, the, and part of the reason is, is there's so much regulatory stuff legitimately around food safety. So, you know, we're doing full traceability, full, you know, all the compliance with all the USDA kind of food safety handling kinds of requirements to the level where you know, we can do full traceability if we kind of, if we, uh, you know, find out that uh, our, a case of lettuce that we have in inventory is from a, a lot that was harvested from a particular field on a particular date and needs to be recalled, we can recall that no, many, no matter how many steps it's been through in the food system. So that's the kind of stuff that really is, you know, where I, I agree with you. I mean, we essentially are kind of an Uber for lost food except that, you know, you also, you just got to do this logistic stuff. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why this has been such a persistent problem is it's not an easy, you know, this is not for the faint of heart. This is a, this is a hard problem to solve, but it's one that's big enough and valuable enough that it's worth solving. It's one that's so big. I'm curious to, to, you know, to, you're obviously, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, I, I, Imagine you've taken some risks. You've you've succeeded. You failed. I'm sure. Um, yep. You know, did you doubt yourself on this one? I mean, this is a this is big. I mean, we you know we we're, we we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and they have great little ideas that can grow big, but you kind of can't do this one unless you're going for the whole thing. You know, like you, you yep. can't just you're you're not. I have no idea what your revenue is. That's not our, our question here, but. This is not a four million dollar company that's going to try and become five million. Like this is all in. Am I right on that? And and how? What was kind of your thought process in the early stages of should I should I try to tackle something this this big? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you know, and again, I mean, I'm not. You know, this is CEO gig number seven for me. So this <laughs> is not my first rodeo. And and uh, and I do. You know, I do recognize the magnitude, and to some sense, you could really argue that you know we're kind of the flea on the multi-trillion-dollar dog trying to change the dog. Um, and you know, the thing I realized early is to have a chance, uh, we really needed to be very strategic about partnerships and investors. So you probably know Walter Robb, the former co-CEO of Whole Foods, invested and joined our board of directors, and members of the Walton family similarly have have invested in our are represented on our, our board. So, you know, we have been very fortunate to, uh, to be able to secure some very strategic relationships that have uh, positioned us to be able to, uh, to actually, you know, make a difference. And that's where, again, I mean, I, you know, candidly, you know, I, I'm kind of humbled by and feel very grateful that we have had such big companies lean in and tell us. I had a meeting the other day with uh, a senior executive, you know, top executive at one of the largest uh, food service um, catering companies. And this, this individual said to me, um, if I had a nickel for every person who walked into my office and told me they had solved the food waste problem, 
I'd be a very rich person. <laughs> and oh, by the way, nobody has a solution and tell me why I'm not wasting my time. And, you know, a half an hour meeting turned into an hour and a half. And they're now doing a, a big rollout project with us because they kind of recognize, you know what, this is actually the first thing that's put together the pieces in a way that really can make a difference. And so we're seeing dramatic results, both in terms of kind of the positive economic contribution, the positive kind of sustainability contribution that we're making to food companies and, and growers and ranchers. But also, you know, we're doubling to tripling the amount of food that goes to donation because we've created an economic incentive. We've created all the information technology. We've created all the agile logistics. So, you know, it's also something where, you know, this is like a for-profit thing that's having a positive social impact, not just on kind of food security and food justice issues, but, but also from an environmental perspective. Mm. It's fun to take food that was otherwise going to a landfill and see pigs devouring, or to know that it's going to get turned into to pet food for, you know, that somebody's going to buy in a store. And to, to realize that you had a little part in, in helping, helping be a better steward of food. Mm. So wh- wh- what's... I'm curious what's next for Food Maven, and I think the only way to answer to that also is to get an understanding of where you are now. Uh, I think by creating a new a new industry, if you will, uh, I don't think we can start with market penetration because, <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, who who knows? But so, uh, and again, we're you know we're not we're not the, we're not a financial podcast here that gets into numbers. So revenue aside, kind of where are you now? And, yep. and, and where, what's next for you? What, what is your goal? Let's go with uh, 18 months to two years out. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're in Colorado right now. We actually have, I mean, we have supplier relationships now that, you know, I'm regularly in Bentonville and Seattle and places where you'd expect I would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, we're regularly kind of out with the large food companies. So on the supply side, we're creating those relationships and similar kinds of things on the, on the buy side. So some of the largest uh, food service companies and, you know, other folks that are, that are in the space. But right now we're running everything in Colorado, really proving out and refining the model. Um, later this year, we haven't announced it yet, but we'll go to our next two cities um, later this year. And, our, and we're focused on a metro service area. Our model really kind of like Amazon Prime now, it's going to be in, in uh, metro service areas just because you need the the density and the concentration of the food system for our model to, mm, to really right. be effective. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then over the next few years, you know, over the next 18 months, we'll add, you know, some discrete number on top of that, uh, you know, another 10 cities, let's say. And, uh, and, you know, we know it's this tension between wanting to go fast, but not going too fast. So, you know, we're formulating and haven't, we have, but we haven't fully announced um, the model for how we uh, kind of rapidly go to market. But you could kind of envision, you know, there's already excess capacity in the food system. So we probably don't want to build a bunch more capacity. There's already, you know, a lot of rolling logistics and folks that are doing food delivery. And so, you know, you could kind of imagine how we would put those dots together to be able to go faster than, you know, here in Colorado, we've kind of done it the hard way. We've built it all ourselves. Um, but it's really out of that learning then that we understand how we kind of scale and become a, a national. And, and candidly, we've had a lot of outreach um, from uh, outside of the United States as well, asking how fast we can get to markets. But I think it's, you know, it's important for us to balance kind of how fast do we go with making sure we get it right. 
Now, the, the other piece here is you can imagine this is not, you know, this is not going to be a trivial capital raise. So, you know, we've already raised a, a fairly significant amount and, and we've got things kind of in place to raise, you know, even more to be able to support this model. Awesome. Well, the, the, the dilemma, how fast do you scale and, and, uh, and how do you do it? So yeah. uh, let's see, how, how could folks get in touch with you? you you're at foodmaven.co uh, online. Yeah, or actually foodmaven.com now. It took us a while, but we got that <laughs> so You so, wrestled it away from someone, I understand. Uh, a, uh, a very, we are very grateful to a, a food blogger in uh, Brooklyn who uh, agreed to contribute to the cause. So. Outstanding, outstanding. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. thank you very much for coming on the pod- podcast. Uh, what a cool, wild, big idea that, uh, that you're tackling and to do it on, I think you said this is your seventh seventh go around, at least specifically as a CEO. Um, I imagine that you're applying many, many lessons learned over the years to, to you know, try and leave your mark here on on such a big challenge that really benefits everyone. We, we've we've spoken with the good folks over at Feeding America before. Uh, that it certainly opened my eyes to uh, the food insecurity issue in this country, uh, and I think that uh, again, just you know, it 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 helps us helps all of us probably reframe uh, how we look at food. And I mean, literally look at food um, and consider that, you know, our role that we play uh, in the selections that we make along the food system. Um, so I want to thank you for joining and um, well, thank you. I wish you a tremendous amount of luck. Thank you so much. And, and again, I appreciate your uh, attention to, to the topic and we're just grateful for all the folks that care. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Dan. Take care. Thank you for joining us on Just a Taste, a Chef's Best production. Join us again next time as we talk to more experts in marketing, retail, and production in the food and beverage industry. You can always visit us at chefsbest.com to learn more.